to fly my shit Sever your neck Wide of it never with mine Trump picked and fuck arsenic Burn his illusion and lie with straight arson shit Your arsenal strip Power in full jackets and clips It's my ability to Define phenomenal raw Crenshaw 84 Boogie down before LA when the war break off Where you be take off Stand in full face off With the M1 millimeter Let the rhythm of the chamber hit him Let the rich play catch with him Pal here at the Hello Podcast. I'm here with my good friend, old friend, longtime friend, and the lead singer of Sworn Vengeance, Ryan Vengeance. We say old because of that gray in my beard. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> the grayness. I, I'm, you know what's weird is that I'm getting gray, and it's strange because I've been blonde my whole life. So when I see gray hairs, it like weirds me out. I'm like, is that blonde or is it gray? Yeah, I know. That's why you just cut it really short, and yeah. then you're just confused. And when it starts to grow out, you're going. Oh, yeah, I'm reminded again uh, that I'm getting I am old. Older. This is fucking not cool, man. Yeah, no. I it hurts. Like, it hurts your pride. I feel like I'm getting gray <laughs> before my father did, because I think my old man, I remember him getting gray in like his 40s, so mm-hmm. I feel like, am I aging faster? Or what is... <laughs> no, I used to feel the same thing, and then I look, take a look at my age, and I go, no, it's, I'm actually old. It's about right. I'm old. Yeah, actually old. I'm going to be 43 this year. I'm. <laughs> yeah. This is about right. Technically middle-aged, but we'll go with old. Yeah. Old for us, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all, all the our... stuff that we've experienced, yes. Yeah, fuck. I always think about... Uh, it's funny because I think about the kind of the lives that we've led through music and stuff and mm-hmm. the things that mm-hmm. we've all done and, and how it contrasts to like a typical life, in true. This, in, very, especially very in true. America, and how different it is and how much more stuff we're exposed to at a younger age and whatnot. And I feel like... I feel like... Maybe we do age a little bit faster than some other people just because we've been through a lot more, maybe? I would say that we've definitely experienced a lot more than probably your average, typical American person growing up through the music and the scene that we're in. You have a tendency to grow up pretty fast in this, and you see a lot of things that, you know, sometimes can be like, whoa, was not expecting that at this age and here you are and you know you feel that even though you know you might be you know 30 or 40 yeah you You've seen some things that people have seen, you know, by age 60, yeah, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you definitely get that feeling. Oh, man, it's crazy. I tell you what, I feel fucking... And, and you you might not as much because you're in better shape than I am, but I feel mm-hmm. I feel my age. I feel older than my age, especially mm-hmm. with all the shit that I've been going through lately. But, like, sometimes I'll wake up. Like, today I woke up feeling pretty good. But, like, yesterday, like, when I told you I had that sciatica attack, mm-hmm. it's awful because I'll have a day where I feel great, like today, and then I'll wake up tomorrow and I just won't be able to walk. It's just like, <laughs> it's like okay. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, good shape or not, I have no idea. I played two shows, uh, one on Friday in Sacramento, one Saturday uh, here in Reno, and... I was stretching like crazy beforehand, and I hit that jet tub on Saturday night, and <laughs> I said, ooh, we're feeling this. And today, 
Sure enough, knees, oh, really? joint, all joints, muscles, you're tight. You I'm... know what's so tight, though, is that you mentioned Jet Tub, and that's hilarious because, oh. so 20 years ago when we started doing this shit, or even longer ago, actually now, uh, who would have even thought that you'd be like staying in a hotel, still playing shows? Oh, that's, like... that's the old Henry Rollins thing where you sit here and go, oh, back in the good old days, you know, get in the van and yeah. you know travel across the country, sleep on people's floors, and, ah, those were the good times, and then yeah. Yeah, now you hit that bed and you're like, God, I was so full of shit. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it is. Because the bottom line is, yeah, you get the opportunity to stay in a nice bed and get some good food and get some sleep and get some rest. Yeah, Yeah. little perks like maybe a jet tub or something like that get thrown in. Yeah, you're going to take it, especially at this age. There's no hardcore adulting poser stuff anymore. Come on, man. Again, I think I've earned it. I'm hoping I earned it at this point. It's all about comfort, right? Exactly. Just a little bit of it. I mean, if not. (laughs) Let the young kids have the fucking, the dirt floors and the. The sweaty vans and all that shit. Well, that's man. why when, when when younger bands come through, I, you know, we'll open up our house and let them stay there and feed them. They're kind of going, oh, wow, this is so nice. We're not <laughs> expecting something like this. It's like, look, because I feel your pain. I've been there. You're I expecting get a squatter it. house? I've <laughs> slept on a hardwood floor. I've slept on a dresser. You know, I yeah. know what it's like. Look. They give you something nice. At least you get one or two days of relaxation. Oh, I remember that shit, too. I remember all the yeah. nice places that we ever stayed on tour. I was like, damn, this place is cool. I remember uh, <laughs> one time in Germany, we stayed at this kid's flat, and he wasn't there. He had, like, a friend let us in, which mm-hmm. was really strange. Um, but it was super nice. Bunch of bedrooms, bunch of beds. Like, it was like a big flat, and I don't know. Kid must have had money. But... I remember they were like, yeah, go ahead and use the phone and stuff. So we were all making phone calls back to the U.S. Oh. Back when long distance was expensive. Yeah, like, right, right. You know, this is right. 2001 at the time, so it still costs whatever. Yeah, 70 cents a minute or more or whatever. Moment, you know, yeah. of going, ah, okay. Some I have a bed comforts. to sleep in. I have a shower. I've yeah. got, you know, I can make phone calls. There's TV. <laughs> right. I'll find the BBC channel because they speak English. Oh, shit. This is the life, Is moments like that you look forward to on tour because after three days of maybe not really being able to take a proper shower or yeah. you're sleeping in the back of a van Ugh. or, like I said, you know, couch if you're, lu- couch if you're lucky. Floor, you know, more often than not, you yeah. know, somebody's dog or cat all up in your face <laughs> and you're going, just want three hours of uninterrupted sleep, please. Yeah. You know, I think more than anything, that's what makes you miss home when you're on tour. Because if you're comfortable on tour, I don't think it would be. And it's not that it's bad when even when you are sleeping on floors, it's still a fucking great experience. Right. But what makes you miss home the most is your bed, your your you know your own amenities at your home, whatever that you have a nice shower and it's all your stuff and whatnot. So yeah. it is nice to. But then here we are going. Oh, I got to get back on the road. I got to do this again. I'll yeah. go out again. And yeah. then, you know it. You know, those first few days, you're kind of like, this is okay. I can yeah. do this again. <laughs> By and the then end a few of it, days you're, like, you're like, I just oh, want to go home, you why, know? But, why do I do this but to the shows, the shows make up for it. The people yeah. that you meet, the friends that you get to see again, all that stuff. It all, it's all worth it in the end. It you, really is. So you take a, you know, take a sore back or, you know, banged up hip for a couple <laughs> days and whatever. You know, you get over it pretty quick. Oh, uh, man. It's interesting. Fun times, though. Seriously. It's fun. It's interesting having a love affair with a, a genre of music that is, it's really is a young man's music, you know, mm-hmm, young man, absolutely. young woman. Um, it's, it's weird to still be in love with it at our age, you know, and, and older and still appreciate kind of the intrinsic value that it had when we were growing up and how much it's changed obviously since then and how, yeah. you know, maybe not con- contrived might be not the word, but it's just one of those things that has kind of been exploited and now it's just too easy. It's too easy to be a part of and whatnot. And I think that kind yeah. of changed things for me a few years ago. 
Um, maybe some other people as well. It's still fun to play music. It's still fun to, you know, even come and sing songs with you guys or try and play bass or whatever else. But it's one of those things where it's like it definitely feels different now than it did back then. You're, when you're younger, <clears throat> I want to choose my words carefully when I say this. When you're younger, you you have a lot more time. Or you feel you have a lot yeah. more time. And through that, you know, you... You're, you're trying to find yourself and you're trying to subconsciously maybe fill that void a little bit with meaningful things, yeah. whatever it may be. Because you're looking at everybody else's life and they're all doing something. You look at your parents or you look at you know just uh, older people or whoever and they're all, they all have things going on and stuff like that. And you know, so you want to fill it up. And, and so, yeah, you start going to shows and you start you know, bonding with people, maybe find yourself in a crew or a band or whatever. And, and, and you're going to three, four shows a week and you're traveling, you know, you know, you're going from, you know, you're driving one hour to a show one night, you know, on a school night or a work night. And then the next day you're going two hours, a different direction. And then, you know, maybe 45 minutes, you know, up the road, maybe you're lucky. The next one's only 10 minutes away. But the point is, you know, you, you're filling up that time and you're making those memories and it's good. As you get older, your time becomes more precious because all of a sudden your career might start occupying a lot of it or a you know, significant other family uh you know maybe something that you've really found a lot of passion in maybe through discover you know through music and you know bonding with friends you might have found oh yeah i really like you know, this particular type of art or I really like building this or I really like this career choice that I made. And and then you're not able to go to shows as much and you start kind of gravitating towards these other, these other things. And it's not like it ever, the heart that you have, the feeling that you have for hardcore ever goes away, but you know, you just start realizing that these things are also important and you know, some people kind of start to steer away from it. And it's funny for me, I'm not really totally sure where I'm going with this, but it, <laughs> it's funny for me that I watch my own band and they all have their careers and they all have their stuff and I have my career and I have my, you know, my uh, my family and everything going on. But at the same time, I still want to make time for this because it was so important to me when I was younger yeah. and I try and do what I can. And and I think that for some people, you know, that, that kind of fades away a little bit and as friends start to disappear and as those bands that you love go away and yeah, like you said, the music changes and the heart that uh, exists in hardcore never goes away but it might not beat as hard in your particular area or you might not see it the same way that you used to sure. that starts to change and you know you kind of start to gravitate a little bit away from yeah. it and you know well and things lose its you know for me it was that it lost kind of its organic roots if you will which is kind of weird like that is true when you take anything that has that is really when we were younger i mean i mean you know Straight edge and hardcore and, and metal and shows and veganism and all these different things were relatively new still, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the mid to early nineties and uh, and every time you were exposed to someone who was one of those things or or you know a booth that had information on those things or a band that supported those things and it wasn't you know none of that information was readily available you had to seek it out you had to go to a show or go to an event or something where they had it it's not like the internet today. Um, 
And that's what made it more interesting. No, I, I think I think you're right. And I think on top of that, it also made it more important. Yeah. Because when I was a kid, if I wanted something, let's say I wanted a toy. You know, throw anything. I wanted some, you know, awesome Japanese robot or whatever. Saw it at the store, twenty bucks. Had to had to earn the money. Yeah. Had to go outside and pull some weeds or mow lawn or wash cars or whatever. Took a whatever. week. You know, yeah. took two weeks. Some you know whatever or whatever it was. And I finally got the cash, and then I had to go back down to that store, catch a bus, get a ride from family, whatever it may be. Hope that that toy was still there. Yeah. And I got it, and I paid for it with my own hard-earned money, and I took care of it. Fast forward to nowadays. Somebody wants something. Boom. You pay for it with a credit card. You go online and find it. Yeah. It's you go online available. and find it. It's right there. You can you know, have it shipped you know, tomorrow if you want to pay extra. You're paying with a credit card that's not really even your money. Yeah. You know, and boom, it's yours. And so where's the intrinsic value that exists there when it comes to that item? And I think that... You know, not even just hardcore, but I think music in general has become that. Yeah, you'd have to seek bands out. You'd read bands' liner notes and go, wait, who, who's this band that they're mentioning? Oh, I'm going to yeah. find out. You have to write bands, you know, self-addressed stamp, stamped envelope <laughs> and all of that. And send, you know, two bucks or whatever and get something from them. And sometimes a band would throw in other stuff. And you're like, oh, I want to check out these guys now. And when you discovered it, you kind of held on to it a little tighter. Like, yeah. Ooh, look what I found. Look at the hard work, you know, that I discovered. Yeah. I'm this Indiana Jones of music, you know. Well, and it meant so the... much because you yeah. did. You dug it up. Yeah. You dug up the information. You, you took the effort and time and money and, and whatever else to to build whatever rapport it was with those people, whether it be a letter or a note or whatever, to get their music, to get exposed to what they're about. And then it opened your horizons to other things, other yeah. bands, this and that. It becomes personal. It becomes very yeah. personal. You you have an attachment to it because you're going, yeah, I heard of, you know, shut down when I read the liner notes for you know, Envy, and I found out through Envy from this one <clears throat> bass player that came through in this band. It's just, yeah. And you just start to build a bond with these people that even the band may not know about. Again, when, you know, it's organic. Now, yeah. And it was organic, and now it's not. Now it's, oh, I like this type of music? Let me go on Spotify, or let me go on, you know, Facebook, or, or They do the MySpace work for you half They the do the work for you. You yeah. know, you can just look up my genre. I like metal. I want to be into metal today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go look up metal bands. Oh, everybody likes Demo Boy. And, you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. So like, if you like this, here's the other artist you want. Pandora yeah. just, you know, strings it along. And, yeah. and, you know, and that's great because you still do discover other music and it's exciting, but. There's no word. Is it? Yeah. You don't appreciate Is there the passion that's really connected what it to it? Yeah. You know what it is? It's that, it's that passion and the appreciation. Exactly. Those two things are gone because you can't build a passion for something that takes zero effort to achieve. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's, and that's the thing is that if, if you can literally sit on your ass with a mouse and a keyboard and expose yourself to anything, yeah, are we really living anymore? Or are we just like existing behind a screen and, and enjoying things based on, you know, other, you know, whatever we feel is a proper principle today to live by. Yeah, so. it's, it's very, very true. And another way of looking at it also is that, is this, is this, is this me? Am I discovering this stuff? Am I built, or is somebody just feeding this to me? Yeah. yeah, kind of like the old old days of payola and and music. You know, you listen to the radio and you're like, oh yeah, you know, oh, this is cool. Apparently, people like this. I've heard this song, you know, eight times in rotation today. That's because somebody was paying to yeah. make you hear it. 
are you really a fan or did you kind of get suckered by the industry? And True. it's, you got to kind of take a step back and go, all right, why, why am I really listening to this band? Do yeah. I have a connection here? What's going on? Or is it because it's just plain exposure? Because yes. it played eight times and yeah. it's earworm and now 20 I'm... of my friends in, in school like it and, you know, and they've got, you know, 10,000 likes on Facebook. So maybe I should be into this band. It's cool to be into them. Maybe am I missing something? And uh, you well, listen to them and you're like, Everybody else oh, likes it. It must be. Good. Yeah. yeah. And I can't say how many times I've been to, you know, a show where I look and somebody's got 10,000, 15,000 likes. <laughs> this band sucks. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's just not good. Yeah. And I look around at the kids and they're into it. And again, that's when I go, again, let's, let's rotate this back. That's when I start feeling old. Yeah. And I go, oh, okay, am I old or am I just not, you know, buying into it's it? It's disconnected. <laughs> it's, it yeah. makes you think of the face, face-to-face song disconnected and the fact that, you know, you don't know what you want to be. You don't know yep. what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, very Never true. had to earn much of anything. What's the difference if you win or lose? Yeah. So. And I think that's why Sworn Vengeance keeps doing what we do. We do it for us. And if you know kids are into it and stuff like that, that's awesome. I don't care if we have three kids at a show or 300. I don't care if we have how many likes we have on Facebook. I honestly don't think since I started that page I've ever looked at how many people like us. Yeah. I don't know what the number is and I don't care. Yeah, because it doesn't care. matter. That it means matter. nothing. Because unless, you know... We're not doing this for money. It would be nice if we could make a little bit of money on it, but nobody is counting no. on it. Nobody cares. Yeah. It's even the bands that even the big bands that tour usually end up coming out of pocket yeah. half the time. You yeah. know, just so their experience is better. Right. And I don't think a lot of people know that either. Again, yeah. being on the road and being behind the scenes sometimes. Yeah. You know, not you as glamorous to... as you think it is, people. Yeah. At all. Yeah. <laughs> but worth it. Yeah. It's still worth, worth it. it. A lot of the best yeah. relationships I have with people are because I traveled to go to shows with them. 100%. You know? oh, so true. So Super true. Fun. Yeah. So with Sworn Vengeance, which mm-hmm. is your band, obviously, you've been... How long has Sworn Vengeance been a band now? Uh, 98. 98 we formed. Uh, and no, was that as Downshift or is that... No, Downshift that was... actually started in 96. Oh, okay. So Downshift started in 96 um, and... Through that, we just kind of progressed musically and just kind of changed and evolved and realized we want to kind of go a little bit of a different direction. And thus, Sworn Vengeance was born out of that. Nice. It was pretty much, you know, the same members. Uh, we just decided, name change, new attitude, let's push the boundaries. And who are the original members? The original members of Sworn Vengeance, we had Mark Fortner on drums. We had my brother, Adam Encinas, on bass. We had Nate Olson on guitar. We had Brian Baumgartner on guitar, and then we had me on vocals. All of those uh, gentlemen, minus my... Well, my brother might have played a few shows at the very tail end of Downshift. Before that, Eric Fortner, who's brothers with Mark, uh, they were the ones who truly started Downshift. Oh, okay. And so, um, but Eric stepped out, family obligations, work obligations, and things like that. And uh, he was really more of a fan of kind of the old school, posy kind of hardcore, which Downshift kicked off with on our first demo. But Brian, kind of more of a metal kid. And I was yeah. more of a metal kid too. I mean, I, I like the posy stuff, but I was more of a metal kid. And Mark, for the most part, like the metal. My brother and uh, Nate being younger guys, they were more into the metal too. And so... We just slowly kind of shifted our music. So my second demo, a little bit more metal. Third demo was pretty, you know, pretty metallic in feel. Yeah. And Eric, you know, stepped aside. And my brother, you know, kind of came in. And we said, you know what? Let's just downshift us. Doesn't make any sense to us. Name didn't make any sense. The yeah. 
doesn't feel the, the the imagery that it conjured didn't make any sense. So Sworn Vengeance starts. So ninety eight first show was with Hapery and Woolhaven in uh, in San Francisco, which was an awesome way to kind of kick off yeah, you know huge. your band at the time. And now, I mean, you look at a band like Hapery, and it's just, you're going, "Whoa, yeah. this is unbelievable." Thank you, Ozzy Osbourne's kid. For yeah, it's, Hapery, I know, I know, <laughs> and you know, being on. You know MTV and doing all the things they're they're doing, you know, just it's it's amazing. I give them give those guys a lot of props because they hustled and worked hard for it. Absolutely. Um, and then um, from there, um, we had uh, we had uh, good two three years run. I think maybe two thousand three or something like that. So maybe a little bit longer than that. Uh, we decided to retire for a little while, call things quits. And 2007, we did a reunion show here in Reno. Mm-hmm. 2010, we did another reunion show here in Reno. And after that one, that kind of got Brian and I talking, and we said, you know what, let's kind of do this again, but not as seriously as before. Of I mean, course, yeah. Before, we were hustling pretty hard and playing as many shows as we could and trying to get all over the place. And then we were like, you know what, we had fun, but let's really have fun now. Yeah. And... And, you know, we are. And, and, you know, some of the members have changed since then. Um, we now have Tony uh, Barbier on drums. And we have, we've have we had Tony since about 2001, 2002, somewhere yeah. right around there. Uh, we have John uh, Frost, uh, formerly from At Our Heels and Light This City, on bass. And he's been with us since 2012. We have uh, Neil Dwan on guitar, who Neil was always around us through the downshift days hanging yeah. out and even collaborating on some music ideas with us and played the the reunion shows or not the reunion shows I apologize the memorial shows we did for Don Perot in 2003 which was our last two shows that we ever played Neil played guitar on those shows oh, too nice. and, and so it just kind of seemed like a natural progression to have him continue and then we have Keith Welch from uh, Murder Practice and like or I'm sorry At Our Heels also on guitar Brian um while contributing has had to pull back considerably at this point in his life. He's got children. His career is really, you know, keeping yeah, him. He's a detective. Yeah. He's got, what, two kids, one more on the way, right? That's, yep, yeah. It's so, crazy. yeah, he's, he's got a lot on his plate, and he flat out said, guys, I love this, want to be a part of it. However, here's here's life. And he said, <laughs> yeah. look, dude, you help start this. Doors open whenever you want to do something. You just let us know. Yeah. And so he's kind of this honorary third member that uh, jumps in when he feels like it. Nice. So, yeah. So, you know, 2012, we kind of jumped back in the thing. Just started off a little slow. You know, a few shows here, a few shows there. And I've um, been kind of picking up speed as we're getting our, you know, wheels back underneath us a little bit, so to sure. speak. Just kind of yeah. re-exposing yourself to... A, what people like, what people listen to, and then kind of just keeping it real with your own musical taste, which I kind of like. I respect that you guys are, you know, still making heavy metallic music, mm-hmm. you know, um, in an era when you watch all these bands and they all just try to do the same thing. They all try to do, you know, they all try to be trapped under ice or whatever all these buzz bands were the last couple of years so that they can you know, get to play fest or do whatever they are. And it just doesn't seem right. You know, a, the musicality isn't there with a lot of them. Some is, some isn't, uh, B, it just doesn't see, again, I hate to use the word, but it works contrived. It seems very contrived and, and, uh, inorganic, you know, so. it's, it's interesting. The, the, the scene is interesting right now. Like I said, taking a little bit of the sabbatical that we did walking back into it, 
you know, you never know what you're really going to walk back into. You can have that illusion of, oh, yeah, you remember, you know, these we did these huge shows. And we were really well known. And, you know, we had this, we had that. And so we're going to come back. And all these kids are going to be like, oh, this is awesome. There's going to be a... T-. No. Yeah. No. They, nobody remembers you after yeah. a few years. <laughs> and, really you know, gives a shit. and, you know, our, our first show back in 2012 in, in the Bay Area was fantastic. You know, we had a lot of kids come out. And it was great to see some old people and some, some new people and stuff like that. But, you know, it's the bottom line is we're starting from ground zero again on some levels, you know. Sure, because if the older people who don't know your music are out there, you have to start from zero for a lot of the younger crowd. So, you know, like I said, there's some some help in, you know, getting to know some of these younger bands. And like I said, when I have them come and stay at our place because, you know, we have have the room. We have the ability to, you know, feed them and take care of them while they're on tour. And, and, you know, they they appreciate that. And they're kind of like, oh, tell me a little bit more. And then they hear, you know, all our old crazy war stories (laughs) and stuff like that. And they're going, oh, wow, these guys are kind of awesome. And we're like, look, we just have fun doing it. Again, just making new friends. And the next thing you know, we're going out there. Our show uh, yesterday in Reno was with uh, a band called Worthy of Sons from uh, South Central Los Angeles. I met them through people when I, when, when SV toured Mexico a couple of years ago, or yeah, it was actually two years ago or it was our first tour. And when we did that, I, I met some people down there and they were like, Oh yeah, you should connect with this guy up in LA. He's my brother from Guadalajara. And it was like, Oh no kidding. And so get in talks with them, find out, Oh, he's in a band. Was this band worthy of sons? Oh, I'll go and check them out. I was like, these guys are kind of awesome. I like them. Nice. Make friends with them, start having barbecues and stuff like that. And, you know, I end up moving back up to the Bay Area after living in LA for a little while, and it was like, yeah, they're like they knew they knew who SV were, and nice. it was like, why don't you guys come on up and play some shows and get them exposed? And kids were going nuts from at both shows, and it's like, good, this is how it works, and yeah. it's fun. And That's how it's supposed to be. That's yeah. it's one thing that I noticed in, in playing in bands over the last few years during the late two thousands and twenty teens uh, is that. It doesn't seem like a lot of bands. I know back in the day, it was all about band trade. Sure, we'll get you a show in our town, get us a show in mm-hmm. your town. We'll be bros, blah blah blah. It seems like that doesn't happen anymore, and you've really got to like campaign to get on a show anymore or know somebody. And that's kind of weird too. It's like, yeah, the DIY thing that used to go on back in our earlier days. Where I mean, I put on a ton of shows back in the day, and you know. You, didn't really cost that much to do it and you know you get a little vets hall or something like that and you know band come through you'd put them up in your place you'd feed them take care of them let them borrow your equipment or whatever and you know gave them all your money it was like anything that was at the door you got a whole bunch of good local bands and then this one out-of-town band and all the local bands said we don't want any money give it to them and you know and then thus that was returned to you when you said, okay, now I'm going out to Philly or I'm going out to Buffalo or wherever. And that band goes, I got you covered. And same thing kind of happened. You have that trade. Now you don't have as many DIY type spots anymore. There's a few that exist. Like the place we played last night was one and it was fantastic. Um, I think it was, you know, headed up by the pirate punks and, and they, took care of us and, and did a great show and it's fantastic kind of got away with doing whatever we want down in Hemet, there's a spot that's actually called the DIY room with a bunch of guys that we met down there and, and again great little spot but more often than not it's these clubs and these clubs are being run by these promotion companies now or I'm sorry they're they're renting the spot or whatever and these promotion companies are not in it for the music they're in it for the money and there's no 
shame in that. But um, that's that's what it's all about. So a band doesn't have the pull that they used to to put on a show and do this and talk to a promoter because a promoter goes, well, you know, who is this band and how much money am I going to be able to make off yeah, of it? And, yeah. and that's where that heart that I was talking about earlier has that little part of that heart has died yeah. because there's, there's money in this now on some levels for the promoters. And, you know, it's kind of this point, they'll throw a hardcore show here and there, but do I see them putting us on it that often? No, it's more the flavor of the month, the kind of yeah. metalcore type stuff that's has its resurgence and things like that. When I say metalcore is much different than what was originally coined metalcore, which was yeah. our kind of stuff. And, you know, bands like Hatebreed and things like that. It's now metalcore is, you know, kind of this weird, like mallish type stuff with goofy hair and, weird. you know, and it's just, it is what it is. And, um, you know, not our thing. And, you know, we get on and, People were kind of going, I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to behave to this <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, whatever. And so, yeah, you know, there's there's money in it now. And so, yeah, bands don't have that kind of pull anymore. Yeah. And so, yeah, you kind of you lost out on that little aspect of things, which kind of sucks because that was a really fun way of getting to know people and making friends and getting yeah. connections. Now it is about, well. It's what felt good about being a part of that scene. Yeah. The money didn't really matter that much. Yeah. As long as it kind of covered some costs, you were good. Now it, it definitely seems to preoccupy a lot of people's minds. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's worried about where their next meal is going to come from and that the gas tank is full. And, yeah. you know, back then when we were starting, gas was 97 cents a gallon. And, and, <laughs> yeah. You know, and if we slept on a floor, we weren't worried about it. And that's the thing is that, you know, but even then, even in those times, we still, it seemed like there was more courtesy. Mm-hmm. Uh, between bands, between cities, blah, 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 than, than there is, you know, now. Now it's just like, you know, oh, how many likes do you have? Can I make money off of you? Okay, yeah, we'll put you on, you know. And- I recently was trying to, you know, book a few things out of our area, and it used to be one of those things, oh, well, what's your band? Okay, uh, can you send me some music? Yeah, sure, here you go. And Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think you can fit with so-and-so, and let's put you on. Okay, that's fine. I just had to answer a laundry list of questions, which is no problem, but the point is, it was, okay, who are you? How many likes? What are your draws? Who are bands that you've toured with? You know, what have you done here? You know, how many labels have you been on? It was like this huge laundry list of questions. And I'm going, all right, well, maybe this is the new way of promotion that they really want to make sure that they're doing this the right way to get money. But it was very foreign hmm. to me. And I got frustrated at first. And, you know, right away I was like, fuck this. And then I said, no, 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 no. I'm not in this guy's shoes. Let me, you know, answers oblige questions him, yeah. I'll oblige him and and when he started asking the questions it actually made a whole lot of sense I understood where he was going he's going okay should I put you in this venue should I put you in that venue should I put you with this band where should I put you in the lineup I got where he was going because at the end of the day he's going here is my bottom line that I need to make to make sure that I can continue doing what I'm doing you're asking me for a show so how do I fit this into it so that the numbers still work out? We're 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 the X factor in this guy's equation, sure. you know, and and so he's going okay. If I insert you here, here's my here's my sum. That means that I can go with choice A or choice B. I got it, but it, it yeah, was as long as the number so at the foreign. end of the equation isn't negative, he's yeah, can figure it exactly. out exactly. But yeah, I mean, you know, like you were talking about with numbers and costs of living and everything like that, all of that is you know definitely increased since you know I was younger, and so. Uh, I, I respect the fact that promoters have come that far that they can 
they have to think like that. You now. have to be more logistical. I mean, I never that. did. Yeah, was, no, who? Just who like, did ever? Yeah. You know. Oh, who are you guys? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. You know, at the time <laughs> I had no idea who Race Trader was at the time, and it was like well, they want to show. Okay. Little did I know that that was Pete Wentz who goes on to, you know, yeah, yeah. Pete Wentz. I wouldn't know that then. It was like, how much money? Do you? All right. Yeah. I'll probably get you guys, you know, maybe three, four, five hundred bucks. Cool. Yeah, play. Cool. Whatever. You know, and just didn't think about it. You just, it worked out. Yeah. It's a different world now. Definitely a different world. Very different world, for sure. Well, so what uh, what do you see for the future for your band, you know, as far as the things we just talked about? And what do you guys got coming up? Anything fun and exciting? What uh, What's going on? I'm hoping another jet tub after a weekend like this. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, let's see here. For us... Uh, We'll get we'll get we'll get minuscule and go and go uh, broad, or we'll get a little bit more uh, microcosm and go macro. Um, May thirteenth in uh, Salinas, we're doing a benefit show for a good friend of ours, a brother who passed away. Um, playing with uh, Fate Thirteen, which is uh, an older older band from back in our day, so it's gonna be really fun to play with them in, in their yeah. neighborhood. And yeah, it's, it's it's sad that it's a memorial show. You know, and that you know, sometimes these are the only ways we can get together. It seems like more often than not nowadays. Yeah. But um, you know, it's for a good cause. We want to raise a lot of money for his family. So that that's that's the next show. It's May May thirteenth in Salinas, and it should be really good. And then we're working on Europe, trying to see if we can make that happen this summer. And um, potentially, we're trying also for South America at the beginning of next year, which could be really interesting. Nice. I'm kind of big on going out of the country a little bit and checking some things out. It was one of the things that SV never got the real opportunity to do. Yeah. It's in its first time around. So that the ability to, again, the one great thing about having the jobs we do is that we can kind of maybe afford to go yeah, over yeah. there a little bit. And so, yeah, we're looking at Europe, we're looking at South America, we're looking at Japan, we're looking at Australia, hoping that, you know, ways we can figure this stuff out. So, Well, and they appreciate it more when you do come to them. You know, that's the thing, too, yeah. is that I've always noticed yeah. whenever we toured out of country, uh, even if it was just in Canada or, or, you know, Mexico or whatever else, they the fans were more appreciative that you were there. They were more, you know, hospitable. Uh, they cared that you came a long way. They bought more merch. It's like, that's the thing is that in America, they don't, you know, everybody's spoiled. Everybody's spoiled and entitled. Yeah. And they, you know, the people that do appreciate it, they let you know it. But the rest of them are just kind of, you know, you, I don't know. It just seems different. You eat, you eat, um... You know, you eat lobster every single day, and eventually lobster's not going to be that exciting. Yeah, but when you're eating stale bread every day and lobster comes through, and I'm not saying Sworn Vengeance is lobster. Not where I'm going with this. I'm just, because trust me, we're not. I'm just saying, though, that, yeah. you know, when you get something a little different, a little bit more exotic or whatever, it's all of a sudden, ooh, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. And I'm like that when a band that maybe hasn't played in this area in a long time or a band comes from a, you know a different country or something. It's like, ooh, I want to I want to check them out. That's kind of exciting. It's a little yeah. bit more exciting to me than you know your your local your local band. And um, but that is a flaw in my thinking too, because I should should be supporting the local bands too. I mean, I, I was there, I understand. It. And so sure. I, I still try to go out to as many shows as I possibly can and support everything. But um, yeah, when we when we did Mexico, oh, man, those kids were amazing down there. They're amazing. And we got to go back a second year in a row. It was like, you want to come? It was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, this is a silly question. Uh, of course. And 
So, you know, it's it's been fun. I just want to go some other places, too, and check things out. And, and also play some areas in the States that we haven't done, too. I think it'd be fun. So, you know, that's some of the stuff that we got cooking. Um, we're going to be writing some new material at the end of the year. Uh, so that should be fun. So hopefully we'll be dropping something maybe around spring of next year. And then uh, for those of people who are familiar with our band... Back around 2002, we recorded an album called The Outstretched Arms of Damnation that was set to be released, and then we broke up, and we just kind of released it raw on the internet. No mixes, no nothing. It was pretty rough. Quality wasn't the greatest, but just felt at the time that the band was over, and so we put it out there. Well, we're actually going to be remixing and remastering that whole album and seeing what comes of that, too. Nice. So kind of fun to actually get that put out the way that it should be. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're going to be having that for next year, which I think is, I think maybe this would be the 15th anniversary of that quote-unquote album dropping. 2017. Yeah. So, um, so that's going to be kind of fun, too. You know, and whatever else comes our way, you know, we'll take it. As long as it's fun and everybody can get the time off. Yeah. I mean, we just played with Sick of All a couple weeks ago up here in Reno, and that was a blast. I mean, we want to do some things like that, too, and, you know, play with some of the people that helped us get up here you know made made us or we saw as idols you know Cro-Mags Judge um, you know or bands that were coming up at the same time we were you know bands like All Out War and stuff like that be a lot of fun to play with some of those bands and some of these newer bands that are coming out too are yeah. just amazing too so um, yeah you know what it's, we're just having fun that's what's so up. Whatever happens. Whatever yeah, I think that's happens. what it's all about especially as you get older that the focus has to be especially with bands you know, like ours and, 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 and all the people that we have toured with and, and played shows with and grew up with is that if you are still trying to do it, if you're still trying to do at least that particular genre or whatever else, you've got to have fun. Yeah. If, if you're not having fun, then you're, you shouldn't be doing it as far as I'm concerned. So. No, that was what killed SV at first. It started to feel like work. And yeah. we both looked at, we all looked at each other and, and Brian and I mainly and we're like, this isn't fun anymore. Stop. Yeah. There was a lot of scene drama and a lot of nonsense going on back then. We were all young and stupid and yeah. all thought that we were, you know, right and opinionated and arrogant and, you know, whatever. And, and you know, we've gotten older. We're humble. Uh, we've, you know, we don't heal as quickly as we used to. <laughs> we're kind of like, you know what? Just want to rock and have fun. And if yeah, one person and likes it, you've done your job. That's all it is now. Yeah. It's just let's have fun. And, and that's why I just look at, like I said, three kids are 300. I don't care. Yeah. We want to have fun. And if we're having fun, odds are you and the crowd is going to have fun. You came out to see us, so at least you might as well have fun. Yeah. Don't don't stand there and tell like, a friend by a know, t-shirt. Yeah. yeah, arms crossed, tough guy. I don't care if you're not, you know, a big mosh pitter. We're going to play something fast. Mosh, have fun. Yeah. Act like a you know twelve year old again. It's good times, man. Just enjoy it. Who cares? There's no judgment here. None. Yeah, you know, oh, to be twelve again. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, crazy man. Well, that sounds yeah. fun, man. Sounds yeah. like a good stuff. Sounds like things are going well in that direction. Yeah. Um, that's cool, man. It's very cool. Proud of you for still doing it, sticking to it. At this, Thank you. At this Thank late you. age, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in these twilight years. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah. Wanted to talk about uh, some stuff that's been going on lately that I've been in, engaged in conversation a lot. I got a couple of emails on it that we haven't had a. A podcast episode in over a month now just because I've been so busy with work and everything else going on. Um, so I'm kind of glad to have you as a guest on this one. Cool. But um, a lot of stuff about the election, especially the primary elections and stuff that's going on. There's on um, the Democratic side, obviously, there's, you know, it's Bernie versus Hillary. And mm -hmm. there's all the voting fraud stuff that they're going through in New York right now, yeah. um, which is pretty interesting. As well uh, as a few other places in the country, yeah, too. quite a few. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, it's funny as I, I told a lot of people, a lot of people always ask me why I'm a why I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter and why I'm still on the fence, even if Bernie loses, to vote for Hillary because I feel like she's a crook. I feel mm-hmm. like she's a complete fucking crook. You know, anybody that takes money's money from the big banks who screwed over their America, that's they should they should have been they should have failed. As far as I'm concerned, we should have let them fail. We should have let the banks that did not practice predatory lending and all that stuff thrive, and then everything would have been just fine. But instead, uh, they used basically a bunch of fear and pandering and whatnot to the American people to sell a bailout that screwed over the American people, you know, for the next, not only was the crisis, but that bailout and everything. Um, Yeah, it reinvigorated those industries and the banks and whatnot, but all it really did was give their CEOs, you know, a bunch of raises and bonuses (laughs) and bullshit and allowed them to fire, you know, instead of firing 50% 50 of their staff, they fired 40%, you know, Mm. and it's like... It's just so fucked. So anyhow, so you've got Bernie versus Hillary on that side. And then on the clown car side, the Republicans, <laughs> you've got Donald Trump, who is the front runner, which is hilarious. And I got in a conversation with Valerie about this last night. About because she's concerned that this jackass who literally has zero political experience is not very bright, uh, was handed millions of dollars to start his businesses. And what's funny is there's a statistic out there that shows if he would have just sunk that money into a like like the safest IRA that you could have sunk it into, he would have made more money. You're talking about the loan that he got from, from his father, his father to start exactly. things like a million bucks, yeah, or yeah, whatever it was a million, it was. and then yeah. he gave him some more a couple years later. Yeah, yeah, he would have made more on that than he has on his investments. And all these people are touting that he's such a great business businessman and he's not he's a fucking shyster so um and then you have and and then you have the religious right-wing nut quirky kind of creepiness of uh ted cruz who looks like a blobfish have he you does. ever noticed that he looks like a blobfish he's a very weird yeah. looking guy he looks disgusting <laughs> yeah and uh, and not only that but he's just a piece of shit you can tell he's just a pandering weird yeah. you know borderline fascist, creepy, religious nut, and I just can't do it. I want to fucking punch him in his face every time I see him, you know? Like, the funny thing is, is I feel like he's the lesser of those two... Uh, sorry, the, that Donald Trump is the lesser of those two evils. I would rather see Donald Trump in the White House than Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz yeah, is a fucking Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. Um, it, you know, you go and watch uh, or read the, read the graphic novel or watch a movie V for Vendetta, and Ted Cruz is that... Totally. Is that guy, yeah. you know, it, it is that weird, scary theocracy that exists with, you know, <laughs> jack booted soldiers walking through yeah. the night and fingermen and all that stuff. And he, he definitely starts to create that illusion that, you know, look, here, here, here's my opinion right. and it's right. And you start wondering what's, yeah. what's going to happen here. And one great thing about America is that while we have become a little bit less involved in our politics, and when I say less involved, not necessarily meaning our opinions or in our stance on things, but I'm talking about our actual true involvement in politics. Yeah. You know, it really felt, you know, maybe when I was younger, but definitely probably closer to my parents' age and and before that, their their word meant something that they were actually able to say, "Hey, look." We don't want this. We want this. And a politician would go, okay, all right, let's make yeah. that happen. And, you know, because they, I think that sometimes back in the day, there were more that felt that they were public officials. Now, they, who would take a job where you're getting paid not really that much to do this and they, they choose to do it for a lifetime? 
it's because there is a lot of money in it. Yeah. And there's a lot of power in it. And there's a lot of ego in it. And, you know, okay, so finally after 20, 30 years on, on the Senate or on the, you know, Congress or whatever board, now you're all of a sudden, you know, sitting as, you know, uh, honorary chairman of, you know, this multi-million dollar company yep. or you're a lobbyist for this group and it's one hand, you know, washes the other kind of deal. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what what I want, what, you know, their, you know, little, their little, uh, you know, Little community their that voted them in their constituents. Thank you. Can think of the word. Um, want they're gonna do what they want, yeah. and I'm kind of sitting here going, "Time out, guys. You're public official. You're supposed you, to be resent, representing, yeah, in a democratic have, fashion, the can, people you're supposed to represent. Yes, you can have your opinion, and you can have your stance, and you can say, "Well, I don't necessarily think that this is actually something that I agree with." However, if 75% of my constituents are saying this is what they want. Well, you know what? Then I need to follow the lead. Yeah. They don't, I don't really feel that a lot of them think that we're that bright. No, I don't even, it's not even that. I don't think it has to do with being bright. Although if you look at the Republican side, the voting base on the Republican side, especially the, the kind of poor white, uh, you know, people that feel disenfranchised by, you know, having to deal with a black president. Oh no. For the last eight years, which is such bullshit and and not looking at any of the facts, but just sitting there and being pissed off because they're, they're, you know, non-intellectual, inertly, inertly and innately racist, uh, whether it's by proxy and, or by family or whatever else, learned behavior. Um, you, you take those individuals and, you know, piss them off over the last X amount of years because they couldn't have a voice. Well, they're all the ones, you know, it's so funny because they constantly vote against their own interests. But because they align with those people, you know, because they're pro-gun and pro-death penalty and, and, and you know, full of shit. But they'll tout you a whole line of bullshit that makes you, you know, want to vote for them. And they love Jesus, so they better vote for you. Yet it's completely every one of their policies is totally against their interests as a human being in America. And so that's what's strange about the Republican side is that, that yeah, you have this giant voting base that is just uneducated, misinformed, uh, Fox News watching, window licking, just, it's bad. It's so yeah. bad. And they're just all out in droves voting for Donald Trump right now because they think, well, he's, a, he's quote unquote an outsider. The guy's not an outsider. The guy has been rich forever. He's been at, he's at every correspondence uh, has has been at every correspondence center in the last twenty years, which is a, a huge media event for mm-hmm. for basically the executive branch and the media and everything else. He's always there. He's always been around politics. He's always uh, given money to campaigns. He's given money to lobbyists. I mean, the guy knows how it works. Like he may play naive and like he's an outsider, but he's not. He's a puppet he's just like the rest of us. He, he understands. Exactly. Uh, it, there's uh, the, the the fear tactic is the thing that really disturbs me the most because, and again, it's kind of an interesting callback to the way that this scene works and some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier with, you know, what we've seen in life. And there really isn't too much fear left in a lot of us uh, older guys. I've noticed, I mean, we've, we've been face to face with some pretty scary situations where that, in in one second, you know, somebody's other, you know, opposite decision that they would have made ended you know, my life, your life, whoever's life, you know, or we could have ruined our own lives by a certain decision. And, and so, you know, with those experiences, you were not as fearful. And so I don't understand 
how so many people buy into the fear of this, the fear of that, the fear that, you know, oh, well, we have a black president and that means that, you know, me as a middle, um, you know, middle-aged white guy all of a sudden feel threatened. Why are you feel threatened for? What are you, what are you afraid of that there's, you know, Muslims in our country or it's like, it just, it's, it's the boogeyman. So, it's it whatever is, the media makes is. them feel is a threat uh, at the time. Oh no, these transgenders, you know, are going to yeah. use our bathrooms and they're going to molest children. Oh, Let me tell you something. You. Transgenders have been using the bathrooms for as long as, as they've yeah. been around. And you never knew about it. Forever. Yeah. Cause they don't want you to Knock know about it. Off. Yeah. No, they just want to use the bathroom. For real. I'm not into it for your kids. Knock it yeah. off. And again, it's that's just, kind of the religious kind of ridiculous. Ah, it's just silly and it's hypocritical because um, it's hypocritical because, you know, it, really when it comes down to it, um, it, it, it's just it, it's silly because then you find a lot of these people have some nasty little skeletons oh, yeah. in their always, closet. Always. They always do. They always do. The, the people who well, a great saying that we had back in the day for a lot of kids that would come around and claim straight edge or claim veganism or whatever else and then they would always be so preachy about it was that those who yell the loudest fall the hardest. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, as a matter of fact across history from, from, from you know 30 years ago when I was a little kid all the way until now, I think about the biggest, you know, most audacious people in my life and how usually those were the biggest hypocrites and the mm-hmm. ones that were constantly changing, you know, constantly had a stance on something that was absolutely just staunch and you should believe this or, or, or eat this or go this way or whatever else. And then six months later, they'd be a totally different person. Yeah. And, and yet they'd still have that fire within them to tell you how to live your life, you know? Yeah. And that's what's ridiculous is that, that there's no appreciation for pragmatism in life anymore, and I can't stand that. Well, I shouldn't say in life, in America. Um, it's okay to be lied to in this country, which is super frustrating, starting with, at least in my generation, 9-11 was huge. We yeah. were totally lied to about that situation. I don't care what anybody says. You mean, you mean 7-11? This, oh, yeah, sorry, 7-11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were totally lied to about 9-11. That yeah. was totally psyops yeah. on the American people. I mean, you could totally tell it was. There's, there's way too much information that goes to the quote-unquote conspiracy theory even though that's the most sound theory about what happened they still have uh classified documents that they won't release from the 9-11 commission because they're afraid it's going to give us too much information and look even even if it was on the up and up and it did happen it still opened the door for opportunities and everybody knows that that is 100 percent proven factual yeah okay powers go down let's invade iraq yep. why has nothing to do with the other thing. Oh, he was even it's... caught. He was even caught on tape saying to it was either Condoleezza, Condoleezza Rice or Colin Powell saying that do whatever you can to find a link to Iraq. Yeah, because he wanted to avenge his daddy. Of course, and he course. wanted to get Saddam Hussein yeah. out of there. And... and in the meantime, his, his VP said, "Man, there's a lot of money I can make oh, here." Yeah. A and lot. there were a lot. They made, they made a, a lot ton of, of money. Yeah. On that and one. there were a lot of people in in Congress that said, "Hmm." Well, I'm in oil's back pocket. Let's see how we can make this work for me. No, it's 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 sad and and I kind of wish that on some levels we would isolate ourselves as a country and say, you know what? We got to work on our problems. We need to help our people. The one thing that probably gets me the most out of all of this is is veterans. Yeah. I got a real soft spot in my heart for veterans. Um it really 
really irks me down to the core to see these guys coming back. Guys and women, I apologize. Uh, you know, I see these people coming back after, you know, doing what they have done and usually under a lie or somebody else's idea of making a lot of money and they put their lives and bodies, you know, and, and, and their futures on the line for this and they get treated like shit yeah. afterwards. And not as much the American people. You know, Vietnam, American people treated those soldiers horribly. Yeah. You know, now... I think that, for the most part, our people have a whole lot more respect for Well, veterans. the whole support our troops movement has, has caused a lot of yes. people to appreciate the troops without worrying about the underlying causes for the wars and stuff that they're fighting. And I think yeah. that's respectful. It is. And these people go over there. They do put themselves in harm's way. Whether they're intelligent enough to understand it or not, they do go over there and they do fight, quote-unquote, for this country. Whether it's truly for our freedom or whatever else, that's all a line of bullshit. It's propaganda as far as I'm concerned. Anybody with half a brain understands that. Right. The problem I have is when they come home, and the Republicans that sent them to these wars won't fund their bills for yeah. VA benefits. Yeah, I got a and big for, issue with you that. Know, for, for prosthetic benefits, for um, learning and, and, and more money for the GI Bill for them. These guys should be treated like royalty when they come home. They should, be, they should have better health care than these fucking senators who voted to send them there. Yeah. Because they're doing more work than they I, I am. I'm, I'm funny. When it comes to my politics, you know, I, I don't really have... A true stance. I mean, it, it's it's funny. I've talked to people, and you know, well, what do you? How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? Where do you lean here? Where do you lean here? And a, a lot of times, I'm fifty fifty. I might be more conservative on this. I might be more liberal on that. Whatever. I don't like either party, honestly. And this is just me. I am. I feel that both parties are truly one party. Oh, I like red. Well, I like blue. Well, now I like red. Well, I like blue, and it's. It's 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 a game. To me, it feels more like a one-party system, and I feel that the rest of us are, are suffering for it. That's and not even a party. It's a one-money system. Yeah, that's, money that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. One, the only uh, thing that gives me hope in that, to your point, mm -hmm. is Bernie Sanders, mm -hmm. a guy that can come completely grassroots, who has been on the right side of every shitty thing that's happened yeah. in the last 30 years in this country. Ha, you know, Even the Iraq War, even the Afghanistan War has voted against all that stuff because he knew it would be a, a giant and complete blunder. And, you know, not only that, but he's a great guy. He wants progress for people. He wants everybody to have the same access to health care that these assholes in Congress do because they get health care for life paid for because we vote them in and then they don't represent us when we vote them in. Yeah. They're in there fucking taking money from lobbyists and representing them. That's, that's where the interesting aspect of, of both Trump and Sanders come in. They are, on some levels, these... Guys that don't play the game yeah. that others play, True. and I think that is what interests people. Because yeah. I think if you want to take a look at that type of culture, the entire American public is going, we're tired of this. Yeah. That's why I think Trump attracts so many people that he does. Oh, well, he speaks his mind. Well, that's great. My drunk relative can speak his mind. It doesn't mean that he's necessarily right. No shit. That he's any Usually less he of gets kicked asshole. out of Thanksgiving. Yeah, I've had a lot of people that have spoken their mind. Or, you know, Nazis used to come to our shows and speak their mind. And, and you know, beat the fuck up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the point is, you know, and then, yeah, you have somebody like Sanders who, you know, he takes these stances that are not popular amongst other senators and other people in his you know group and, uh, and the american public is paying attention to these kinds of things and going i really there's a movement there and yet the status quo starts to get really shaky you know and on the 
you know, Republican side of things, you have, um, you know, the whole RNC going, well, should we really back this guy? I mean, is it going to fracture our party? And what that really means is, are we not going to have the kind of control we used to have? And the same thing exists on the Democratic side where they're going, if this guy starts getting popularity and starts getting votes and starts steering people in his direction, we lose a figurehead in, and that has existed in the democratic system since... You know, 1992. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Again, a dynasty-type thing yeah. that exists. Which is bullshit. Yeah. You have a representative democracy. You don't want the same people in there representing you if what you want is change from right. what was. And I think that was shown when Jeb, Jeb Bush got so soundly spanked. Yeah. You know, I think people were kind of going... Even like, the Republican group No like, more nah, Bushes nah, anywhere we're, near we're, the White We're kind of done with this. We've yeah. had two... You know, and and um, that's why I hate to. I'm a. I mean, I'm a Democrat. I register Democrat uh-huh. or independent, but usually Democrat, so I can vote. You know, properly in the primaries and whatnot. And my problem is, is that somebody like Bernie is is a true progressive yeah. who is actually trying to help the country progress forward. And you have somebody like Hillary who literally just wants to keep it like it was the last eight years with Obama and just kind of slowly continue to yeah, churn. Keeps her keeps her bank account. Full. Yeah, exactly. The, where I was going with that was this: is it. I'm I'm willing to give somebody new a shot. Now, in saying that doesn't necessarily mean Trump by any means cuz I'm also not stupid. <laughs> there's, exactly. There's giving somebody a shot and then there's handing somebody a, a loaded gun and going and go dude, dude the gun's pointed at your face. Yeah, yeah, it's you loaded. Got, don't yeah, kill yourself. Yeah, yeah, you do realize that the safety's you know, but, <laughs> um he What concerns me about him, and I've started to see it a little bit here and there, is the this the speaking his own mind and saying these things that are fear based and that are very vague, very vague and loosely, you know, um, hinted at throughout his speeches. You know, he never really comes out directly. There's very few things he's ever come out really directly and said, but it gives these people who are suffering these, you know. Fearful, you know, issues that are going on. Thanks to you're talking about media. Donald Trump. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. See, I kind of feel. I, I almost feel that he's almost the antithesis of that. I don't think he's being vague at all. I think, in fact, he is speaking to a point, especially when it comes to racism. So, take for example, when he was on the podium and he said, and I don't quote me verbatim on this, mm-hmm. but he said something to the effect of <clears throat> that Mexicans are coming to this country, that they're not good people. I know tons of illegal Mexicans that are great people. Yeah. I had a guy do my yard the other day who him and his whole staff are illegals and they're great people. I fed them while they were here and gave them water and stuff. Like they're good people. They're here to earn money yeah, and his, to take care of themselves. His statement was that Mexico is not sending their best. They are He and, said that which, afterwards. Yeah. Or but, before. But, but what I'm saying is that he's implying that Mexico is actually intentionally sending these people over and he's sending yeah. rapists and murderers and stuff. And in there sometimes there may be some good people. Yeah. Now, where I was, what I really meant was that the way that he structures his speeches, he he allows a certain vagueness that exists to oh, let yeah. people populate yeah, their own minds. That's yeah. where I was going with it, and thus you have this kind of uh, Nazi esque pride thing starting to erupt and and i always said the first place it's going to start showing up is in our scene again you're going to have boneheads start showing up again and you know we're going to have to run them out again he's a complete neo-fascist yeah and and he's playing a game because he knows he's he's trying he, he knows how to do this like you said earlier and so therefore 
I, I'm totally willing to give Bernie a shot because it is something different. Let's let's see what happens here and let's see what we can create. And it, at the end of the day, look, if Congress is not going to let things happen. They're not going to let things happen. And but I'd at least will you know I'm willing to give him a better shot because at least he seems like his heart. Yeah. Is in the right place. It's like he actually cares a to do his actual job. B he cares to the people. Yeah, you know, which is refreshing. Um, I'll take that any day over any of these fucking clowns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, whether or not his um, policy is something that you know you or somebody else may agree on, or maybe you know some things are a little a little too far liberal or whatever. I'm willing to at least try something new right now because the, obviously the old system. Is not working. Nope. So let's try something new and see what happens. So, and something that again I feel is a little bit safer than having Trump in charge because I yeah. think that he's one insult away from really, you know, really making a lot of people angry here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pharaoh, the hella podcast mascot. Yeah. What's up, Pharaoh? <laughs> What's up, buddy? What's up, buddy? <laughs> Silly ass dog. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens. You know, what's funny is uh, is if you look at the primary results from two thousand eight and mm-hmm. and or sorry, two thousand twelve, and uh, and now Bernie actually has more delegates than Obama did. Yeah, um, yeah. So he still has. So you wonder, of you know, is it, is history going to repeat itself, or did the DNC wise up and say, well, we see how this went yeah, wrong? So we this bought way. all the super delegates. Yeah, so which let's is do- bullshit. If they if what uh, ends up happening, yeah. and mark my words, that this ends up happening, if at the end, because there's plenty of contests left bernie can out win the popular delegate vote mm-hmm. um if he wins the popular vote but the superdelegates side with hillary there'll be a fucking there'll be a coup in the dnc oh something 100%, will happen 100 um, and, and not only that but if they try and do a contested convention on the republican side which is what they're probably going to do yeah. um even though it seems like trump's going to lock up that nomination no matter what right now depending on the delegates but if they do the new contested convention that's going to cause a huge rift in the party as well so um I don't know. Well, no matter what, something's going to be changing here. Yeah. You know, it's it's just we're at that climate where... I just hope we're not the country that everybody makes fun of because of the fact that there's so many stupid people that go out and vote, that they do vote Trump in, and then we're stuck with this guy. We we have been for a while. That's Mm. the thing. You know, a lot of people... Yeah, but the world respects Obama, at least. Yeah, that's true. He's a smart man. But the the American public, you know, a lot of of foreign countries don't have the most confidence in us anymore because they they just don't understand where our heads are at. And, you know, I've had to... I had... Last time we were in Mexico, somebody was like, well, I can't believe you're voting for Trump. And I said, excuse me? How do you even know who I'm voting for? I haven't even... I, I rarely talk about political things in public with people. Uh, and he goes, well, isn't all of America behind him? And I said, no, Dude, you don't even, even understand close. what's going on, but is that what it's coming across? He goes, oh yeah, that's yeah. how it comes across to the rest of the world. Yeah. And I said, that's a problem. Let me sit down and educate you here. And when we walked away, he was like, okay. And he felt much better about Americans in general because he's one of those kids like, I don't even know if I want any of your bands coming down here because <laughs> you guys are freaking me out. You guys are kind of scary. And I said, Bunch of fucking weirdos. yeah, we can be sometimes. I get it. Yeah, but it's not it. for those reasons. You know, well, it, but, I like to surround myself with people who are at least smart enough to understand what's going on around them and understand yeah. they're being sold a fucking uh, a bill of goods that doesn't exactly match the receipt. Yeah, no, very, very true. Definitely fair. 
That's crazy. Well, yeah. enough about politics. Uh, we've got some good fucking movies coming out. Deadpool's Ooh. fantastic. I have yet to see oh, it. You're an idiot. Well, no, I know. I Here's the thing. This morning, um, they were showing it free in the hotel that we were in. And, and Kira's like, we should watch it. And I go, yeah, we've got to go meet everybody for breakfast. You should have watched it. We could have met up later. I, well, I know, I know. It was, it was one of those things. I know. It's killing me. And I finally went and looked around in our, uh, in our local area. And it's not playing in any movie theaters anymore. Uh. I was like, I missed it. And I'm kind of kicking myself for it right now. Dude, it's, it was so good. It I know. Was, I, 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 as far I know. as a Marvel movie goes that can correctly adapt a character to the book, it is spot on. And so fun. Ryan Reynolds does a great job. Fantastic. And in fact, it's made me enjoy the franchise, the Marvel franchise, more. Because it seems like they're doing a better job with their movies. They're yeah. making the story and plot lines linear. They're making things connect, which is fantastic. Um, Ant-Man was fantastic. Oh, We've got Man Civil War. Great. We've got Civil War coming up, which is supposed to be epic, yep. obviously. Yep. Um, and then past that... Um, Doctor Strange. Yeah, Doctor Strange. Which, and that looks fantastic. Yep. Benedict Cumberbatch, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. No, uh, I just, just even just that little teaser trailer, I looked at that and I said, this is going to blow people's minds. Yeah. I think that they're going to go in a really, really interesting place. Plus, they have a horror director doing it, which I think is a really it interesting... It itself to that, John, yeah. that book particularly yep. because of all the crazy imagery and stuff that they go through. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have been very, very, very pro-Marvel. I mean, I, I grew up reading both both sides of the spectrum. Probably, if you want to take a look at my collection, it is you know much more Marvel than DC. Um, and that being said, I think I identified more with a lot of the Marvel characters because I just think that they made them a little bit more human. It sure. seemed like you know DC picked up on that a little bit later in life and, and got with it. But um, you know we weren't all millionaire, you know billionaire playboys that had you know yeah. money for fun toys or aliens. Yeah, or, they didn't. You know, they, they didn't make it very easy to relate to their yeah, characters. You know? you know, you're some you know test fighter pilot that gets a you know ring to be a you know as a universal cop and all this stuff. Yeah. No, it was you know you're a photographer in high school that was a nerd or you know yeah, you're totally you know it's just it was, it was great and so. Yeah, um, Stan Lee, man. I'm. Re- I know this is one person That's I really genius. hope I meet before, you know that 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 horrible day comes. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 huge on it. I get all like the little kid again every single time I see another trailer. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, and start acting like an idiot. And Guardians of the Galaxy two, they're filming right yes, now. Yes, oh my God. Well, I wanted to say about Deadpool is that there is a. Uh, word out is that the director is writing it with the possibility of introducing Spider-Man if everybody wants to play. Yeah, yeah. Play, you know, play nice, which I think is the greatest thing that Sony and Marvel did. I mean, when I saw Spider-Man appear on that Civil War trailer... I, I screamed like a little kid. Uh, yeah, I was going, fantastic. you got to be kidding me. This is amazing. And, and the way that they introduced... I'm sorry, but uh, Iron Man yelling under roots. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's it so great. fucking funny. It was great. And you know there's going to be other things. And now Iron Man's going to be in the new Spider-Man movie. And yeah. and, and it's just... It, and they're all smart because they're going, look, somebody finally... Somebody must have said, put the ego aside. Look how much money we can make off yeah. of this and how awesome it's going to be. And I'm really hoping that, you know, um, who, who's, who does... Uh, X Men is that Fox? Mm-hmm. Hoping that Fox eventually kind of bites a little bit. They already have, so they already so th- they met with Marvel execs and Disney and all these people came together apparently recently uh, and decided that <coughs> excuse me that going 
because the, the Marvel Universe is so interconnected and because yeah. they're seeing such a great response with all of these characters who are in, interconnected with each other mm-hmm. and they're getting a better and better response every time they're going okay listen let's put the bullshit aside the licensing rights all the bullshit to the characters because you know they'll own the rights to Wolverine like Fox I think owns the rights to Wolverine yeah. so they've been battling to put Wolverine because he's in everywhere he's everywhere he's in Spider-Man's comics yeah, he comes up in Deadpool all the yep. time and not only that, but people love those. Those are like the most popular books yeah. and were back in the day. That's what people yeah. want to see. They want to see those plot lines. Oh, yeah. Those so. crossovers were a monster. <coughs> a monster. I can't count how many I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd love to see, you know, a, a Wolverine pop up in, uh, you know, in, um, you know, Avengers or something like that. Or, you know, or even better, they finally do a Hulk movie and he fights Wolverine. I mean, yeah. how awesome would that be? It's just, you know, or, or Wolverine taking on Captain America or Deadpool, you know, getting involved on Iron Man and the, yeah. and the little quips going back and forth. And, you know, it just, it would be, it would be really cool to see. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, you know, I'd also like to see them properly introduce the Fantastic Four the right way. Oh my God, and then you start getting, you know, into Galactus and stuff like that. And, and even the Silver Surfer movie adaptation with uh, <clears throat> the Fantastic Four, which was entertaining. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and read those books and see all the parts about that interaction that they bastardized, and not only that, but just the plot line completely, it's frustrating because yeah. the story is intriguing in and of itself. Why did they have to go so far out of the spectrum? Not only that, but the characters and who plays them. It's just like, come on, guys. I really think it is a thing. Of, it's a thing of ego where somebody goes, well, I think we can do this better. We yeah. need to make it our own. And and that's what was so successful about Disney and Marvel and that whole group. They said, you got to know what you're doing. Just just do it. Yeah. Just, you know... Take it a little bit so that it can fit in the concept of a movie and make it happen. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we got a bigger idea. What if we start connecting this entire world? And if it does this kind of money, imagine when we pull it all together. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's what makes that so successful and entertaining and at the same time concerns me about DC and what they're doing because they're trying to now do the same thing. And it feels like they're playing catch up. And oh, they're very much so. Are yeah. I mean, if you look even across into television, Netflix, all that fun stuff, look how well one of the best series that I've seen in years is the Daredevil series. Mm-hmm. And introducing the Punisher in this last one, which oh. is great, and a lot of the different Hell's Kitchen characters. And then they also do Jessica Jones, which is going to interlap also. Yeah, Luke and, Cage, and now yeah. Iron, Iron Fist, who is one of my personal yeah, favorite right, yeah. uh, Marvel Comics characters ever. They're now going to bring him in, and I mean, there could be ties with him and Strange. It's just it's, it's well, because be. Strange kind of formed the Defenders. Exactly. So, I mean, there's a lot that can happen, and um, with DC, it was really interesting because Man of Steel, I, I watched it and I thought it was okay. Yeah, that was okay. It it felt like again, I like the fact that they went Zod with it right off the bat, yeah. and that they went full on fight mode. It was when I saw that. The third Matrix movie was a Revolutions. Or yeah, something like that. Or yeah. the third one was, and you had Keanu Reeves fighting um, uh, Agent Smith, right? Yeah. yeah, and they were fighting in the sky and doing all that. I, the first thing I looked at, it's like, oh, this is a Superman movie right here. This is how Superman should be. They should. It's perfect. Why can't they do this instead of you know doing Superman Returns and doing the whole Lex Luthor thing again? And whatever. And so with Zod and stuff, like I was like, oh, okay, this might be kind of cool. He's going to fight Zod. And it was crazy. But there also seemed like a lot more wanton destruction than 
Superman would probably have normally allowed. But yeah. there was a realism attached to it, and I'll go with it. Um, but then you get into Batman versus Superman, of which, fair, you know, I feel it's fair to say I have not seen it. Okay. So I can't. So I'm not, I have know. seen it. Okay, good. That's good. Then let, let me <clears throat> let me see what I have to say, and you tell me if I'm right on this. Okay. It felt to me, just from what I was reading, the reviews, other little things, that they were trying to jam every single little thing they possibly could to push to Justice League instead of letting it naturally kind of evolve like it seemed like Marvel's movies felt. Obviously, there's a plan there, but they try and naturally make it, you know, fit. It's actually exactly what happened, and okay. I think that's the part that has people pissed off is that um, they did a beautiful job working with Batman. Ben Affleck did a good job as Batman, hmm. so that side of the story, not bad. Okay. Um, even the way that he meets Superman, kind of the, you know, that whole thing sets it up well. The problem that I think everybody does have is that they do. They rush uh, bringing in Wonder Woman, which is, which... Uh, they try and fill some backstory on her with some old photos and a couple things and try to kind of, you know, allure you a little bit with these little kind of caveats, these little things that pop up during the story. Um, but so all it's going to do is make it harder for them to make the one-off movies for Wonder Woman or whatever, or if they just go straight into Justice League, who knows? Um, the movie itself was done pretty well. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was bad, but I wouldn't say that it followed the comic book by any yeah. or any of those books that uh, deal with that. Uh, and there are several where they, you know, inter- intersect. Um, Lex Luthor being played by um, Jesse, what's his Eisenberg? face? Eisenberg. Yeah. Not good. Yeah, I um, from day one I thought yeah. that that was a horrible idea. He but... was. Uh, he played it way too neurotic, way too. Um, her was very like almost like Riddler, Jokerish. Yeah, like, exactly. It was almost Which like this so Heath Ledgerish Lex, trying to, yeah, yeah. not as much, not as much even as an homage, as much as it was almost like it's just overacting. It felt like he was overacting. Yeah, like it got bad a couple times. You're just like, dude, settle down. Like, hey, that's not Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor was always cold, calculated, had other things going on in the background. You know, never really showed his cards until he needed to. Yeah. That's what made him a great villain was that he could be he could be that guy that you would kind of root for sometimes, even though he was a total piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and then other times you'd be like, no, he's a dick. He's fucking. You know, and that was. Uh, but he didn't. He played the role super weird, and that made it. That for me was the worst part of the movie was right. Lex Luthor. The adaptation of that, his relationship between and, and the way he introduces Batman. Was Superman is totally not right. Um, just different things. Just different things that, that, that could have happened and been written a lot better to make the story more consistent. So, um, And I feel like, yes, DC did cram a lot into this one movie so that they can open up different storylines. Because they are. They're on Marvel's coattails right yeah, now. Yeah, you got Suicide Squad coming out next. Yeah. and Which I will admit, on a lot, on some, most levels... Su- now, Suicide Squad looks, looks like it's going to be pretty it good. It looks decent. Uh, you know, Will Smith I'm a little burnt out on personally. Uh, so it's kind of like whatever. I think they maybe could have gotten somebody a little bit more interesting. You yeah. know And I, I have a personal distaste for Jared Leto. Everybody does. Yeah. Well, I have a, I have had a personal interaction oh, with really? him. Yeah. Oh. And I just dislike that. Yeah, I think it's yeah. universally known that he's kind of a douchebag. So. Well, yeah, when I when I met him, he definitely was, yeah. and I had words with him, and that you know that was that. But um, <laughs> I know, ooh, we're alluding to something. <laughs> uh, but um, at the end of the day, I, I just don't. I think like... you need to tell us about that. Interaction. I will. All right, I'll get to. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. The point <laughs> is, I also don't like the the Joker that it seems that he's going to play with the tattoos and stuff like that. 
don't know. So I got a friend who well, was like trying to defend. He's like, no, the Joker has had tattoos. Look at this photo. And there's a photo of the Joker with like some big back tattoo. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, but that's not my point. It's well, just... not a lot of people read the Suicide Squad stuff. So mm-hmm. that version of Joker isn't well known. And that's why a lot of people are freaking out about Jared Leto's version of it. See, I'm, honest... I'm not that familiar with it. So yeah. if it's something that's actually the way that the comic book's portraying, okay, yeah. I'm cool with it. Whatever, you know? That's it's close. Fine. It's actually yeah. pretty damn close to, okay. to that, All right, well, you know that what? caricature of It's him. probably the one DC movie that I'm much more interested in seeing. Yeah, Batman versus Superman. At first I was like, eh. And then I was like, eh. Yeah. And I just... I just never got the energy to muster up. All right, so I'll tell the Jared Leto story. So <laughs> we can actually end on this. We're going pretty long. So. Okay, yeah, yeah. We'll end, we'll, end on, we'll end on this fun, fun. Uh, yeah, Ryan, fun Ryan Vengeance meets Jared Leto. Um, I don't remember how many years ago now it was. I used to live down in the Palm Springs area. Coachella is is starting to really kick off and get big, and I lived about two blocks from it. And some friends of mine came down. They wanted to, you know, stay there. And they were like, well, look, you know, we have tickets for Coachella if you want to go. And I was like, eh, you know, that's something to do for the weekend, whatever. It's not really my scene. But whatever. So we go. And um, he also had tickets to a um, some after party for T-Mobile. It was at one of the... Yeah. It was, uh, it was at... He was doing photography and all the stuff there. And it was at these airplane hangars and... You know, a little little local airport. But when I say little local airport in Palm Springs, there's some serious money. Oh yeah, in this little local airport. And so T-Mobile's hosting this party. And so you got all your all your people there. You got your Paris Hilton was there. Yeah. Carmen Electra was there, who was super cool. Got to talk to her for. Everybody says that she's totally really cool. cool, down to earth girl. Laughed, had fun. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And overall, the party was great. You know, it was cool music being played. Tommy Burgers was hosting. Yeah, so it was fun. So we're sitting there. And we're at our table, and we're all just hanging out, and there's this guy behind us that is just being obnoxious. And you could tell he's one of those people who are like, I need to be the center of attention. Yeah. I'm going to be really loud. I'm going to be really, you know, flamboyant. Boisterous. Everything yeah. and boisterous. You could, see, you could even hear him moving. It was so, wow. so, and it was just irritating. And those people who know me know that I'm, I'm up for a good time. I'm up to have fun. You know, I've... I, I can be a little boisterous at times too, but there's just a time and a place for everything. And I was just not feeling it. And I am not one to mince my words. And so I finally turned around and I, and without even looking at the person yet, I was already words were flowing. And, you know, I I basically (coughs) told him in, in a, in a much, uh, much more direct way, please be quiet. Those were not little words I used. However, it was, uh, a whole lot, whole lot more words that my mother would not be proud of me about that I used. And finally, by the time I get to that last word, I'm face-to-face with Jared Leto. And he's kind of looking at me shocked. And he's like, I'm just trying to have a good time. And I go, yeah, your good time is ruining our good time. Sure. I go, it's cool to have fun, dude, but just chill out. And I don't know if, you know, I don't know anything about the guy's history. So I don't know if, you know, he's on drugs or, or drinking or, you know, who knows? I don't know about him. But he seemed really bummed out. Like, after I said that, and I kind of told him, I said, look, man, I go, you know, that's great that you're Mr. Jared Leto, you're Mr. 30 Seconds to Mars, and you just, I think they were playing that year, Coachella, 
I think Great. that's, yeah. And that you're showing off and all that <clears throat> stuff. But, dude, just chill out a little bit, man. We're yeah, trying to have fun. I go, you're, you're, have fun. Yeah, I go, you're dude, ruining. you're like really ruining it for us. And, I, and looking at your friends, I think you're ruining it for them too. And that was like the kill moment. Because yeah. you just saw it was like, my soul is crushed. You know? <laughs> and, it was, and he's just looking at me like, oh, well, I got better things to do. And he just kind of blows me off. Which, again, is not really something that yeah. I am a fan of. It's like, if you want to Or say, used to. I mean, that's yeah, like, really? I was kind of like, okay, buddy. So I was, everybody's like, Ryan, just chill out. You know, it's Jared, you know, Prefontaine Leto, leave him alone. And I'm like, all right, whatever, whatever. So we're doing these like little photo booth things and, you know, everybody gets to wear these stupid outfits and we're posing stuff like that. He's in line with us. And again, being super loud and super obnoxious. <laughs> I finally, I have like a lightsaber in my hand or something. And I just turn, I go, hey, Prefontaine, shut the fuck up and throw this throw the nice. saber at him he dodges out of the way he's like what's your major problem dude and I go I'm gonna beat your ass no fuck out of oh, here dude. and finally How like his been? friends like get involved and everybody kind of goes their separate ways and Paris Hilton's just kind of standing there looking clueless and it was fuck just like lose. so it was just I don't know it's just his attitude it was like I mean even Paris Hilton I, I don't I don't know that I don't know the girl but she she waited in line quietly with everybody else. Yeah. She was polite. She said please and thank you. She you know it was yeah, she was a normal human she being. She was a Weird. normal human being. Everybody else. There were some big big stars there. Yeah. I can't remember all of them, but there were some big people there. Everybody was cooling down to earth. He just needed to have a Mr. spotlight Attention. on, and it just got under my skin. Huh. It just got under my skin, and yeah, I he just seems like that guy. He does. Now, you know, that being said, he's been in some fantastic movies. Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, that's amazing. He was incredible in that movie. Well, um, what's funny is he was in that movie with Matthew McConaughey, yes. who a friend of mine has an awful story with Matthew McConaughey <laughs> as well. <laughs> so, so, so we're running, yeah, we're, yeah, we got a theme going. <laughs> Running here. theme. Man. Oh, jeez. That's pretty funny. Yeah, well, so that's my, that's my Jared Leto moment. That's a good... Uh, a good story. Yeah, I so like I don't think you'll be seeing 30 Seconds with Mars and Sworn Vengeance touring no. any, any <laughs> time in the near future, you know. That, but, although that would be an interesting show. <laughs> hey, look, look, if they, I, I guess if they want to they wanna do it, we'll, we'll talk, you know. Never against That would be funny if they contacted you to do a show and then like you <laughs> met and they're just like, you. This guy, I remember you. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, you're I, a dick. I had therapy for three years because of you, buddy. <laughs> you ruined my riddle in high. Or, uh. or the inverse, dude, you gave me a great idea for me. Joker role I'm playing. <laughs> it's like nice. You throw a lightsaber at Ben Affleck at any point, you know? Yeah, there you go. That's awesome, dude. It's been fun. It has. It, it was has awesome. Time flew. Actually, yeah, this it might did. Be, uh, part one of a couple that we'll have to do. Right on. Um, do you have? Uh, usually, this is the time in the show where if you have anybody that you want to plug or any, you know, anything that you want to say in particular before we go. Um. Yeah, dude. I'm glad we've been friends for so long. Everybody up here in Reno. I mean, you guys, uh, you guys aren't friends. You guys are family, and it's awesome to Absolutely. awesome to have that. And it's, you know, when I was living in LA, we didn't get to see each other as often. So it's nice to that I'm living back in the Bay Area. I mean, we've seen each other more, bunch, yeah. you know, in the past like year than we have in the five or then, six yeah. years that I lived in LA, or even yeah. before that when I was living down in Palm Springs. So it, it's it's nice to see all you guys and, and hang out and reconnect a little bit and stuff like that. In terms of uh, stuff, yeah, check out Sworn Vengeance if you're interested. You know, we're on Facebook, so f- you know, fb.com/slash Sworn Vengeance. We're on Bandcamp, SwornVengeance.bandcamp.com. We're on Instagram. 
Instagram and, and the Twitter tweets and all those other yeah. things that I'm really too old to be doing. But Tweety I do tweet. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Other than that, yeah, check out some of the um, cool bands that uh, we're friends with, bands like Worthy of Sons from, uh, from L.A. Um, you know, we got a lot of good uh, dudes that are booking shows uh, in the Bay Area and stuff now, so check out, you know, like SK Booking, Pin Up, and people like that. They're doing some great things and just trying to kind of revitalize it. And if, you know, want to get in touch, play some shows or do something, yeah, just hit me up on Facebook too. I'm on there, Ryan and Cenas. Nice. Yeah. Sounds cool, man. Well, uh, keep listening to the podcast. <clears throat> yeah, awesome. more hell of podcasts. Well, I apologize to those of you who have been waiting for one of these. Uh, I, I wanted to do them uh, every week, and then it went to biweekly, and now it looks like it's going to be a monthly thing. So, um, but it just depends on really who I can get to be on the show, uh, who clicks a with time and b has something to say uh, and that is worth listening to. So. Uh, please continue to give us feedback. Uh, you can email me at brandon at the Uh That goes directly to my main email. Um, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, please feed them our way. We'll, we'll uh, field them on the next episode. And if you want to be a guest, again, just send me a profile. Let me know, you know what kind of stuff you like, what kind of stuff you have listened to in the past, uh, and what you'd like to talk about. Um, we're always you know, constantly entertaining new people being on the Hella Podcast. And uh, we just want to talk about cool stuff and have fun and be hella awesome. So thanks again, and uh, have a safe trip home, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Take care, everyone. We're, all right. Hella. We're back!
the class, but the lesson plan he can't recall. The student's eyes don't perceive the lies bouncing off every fucking wall. Closure is well kept. I guess he fears playing the fool. The place the students sit and listen to that bullshit that he'd learned in school. You're up. No more lies. No more lies. No more lies.